As just about everybody must be aware of by now, there's a new strain of human coronavirus all over the world named COVID-19. It's new, it's nasty, it's a little bit unknown, and they're working on it. In the meantime, countries around the earth have taken different measures to try and contain it. No one's denying it's nasty, but is it just a normal virus? What if it's actually a bioweapon? Or maybe it was released by clumsy spies. Or it's a consequence of the 5G network. Or maybe it came from space. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. A Cavalcade of COVID-19 Crock Pottery Happy 2020! Surprise! China reports a new virus to the WHO on December 31st, and the rest of the year, from then till now, has been pretty much all about this. Most of us are under some kind of lockdown or quarantine, economic systems are being disrupted, and many people think that we will never really be the same as a world civilization after this. What is COVID-19? It's a form of SARS, basically. SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, and it's the Coronavirus 2 strain of that. Coronavirus is a big term covering a whole bunch of different kinds of illnesses. At the low end of the scale, you've got the common cold, which some people think rhinoviruses may be involved in that. Others think that perhaps coronaviruses are involved in that. Coronaviruses were first discovered in the 1930s in chickens, of all things, chickens that had a sort of a bronchitis. Later, they were found in mice and other animals. And then in the 1960s, uh, human coronaviruses were discovered, possibly associated with the common cold. The name comes from the Latin word corona, which means crown or wreath because they're kind of round looking underneath a microscope. They are sort of surrounded by these little spiky things that are proteins that stick out all over it. Coronaviruses of all types are basically respiratory illnesses, and they spread mainly through uh, little droplets of saliva, or as we might call it, discharge from the nose. That's what the WHO calls it when a person sneezes or coughs. Basically, it's transmitted exactly like colds are transmitted, except that this is far, far worse than any cold or flu. 2020 is almost certainly going to go down as the year of COVID-19. So it might be useful to just take a quick look at some of the first two and a half months of how this thing spread and what happened. 
December 31st, China reports to the WHO uh, of an outbreak of something. January 7th, it is identified as a strain of coronavirus. January 11th, China suffers the first death. January 13th, just two days later, the first case outside of China is discovered in Thailand. On January 21st, the first case in the United States. Two days after that, Wuhan province, which is where it broke out in China, goes under quarantine. On February 2nd, the first death outside of China occurs, this one in the Philippines. On February 11th, the WHO officially named it COVID-19. On February 19th, there was an outbreak in Iran. February 21st, an outbreak in Italy. And by February 26th, every continent but Antarctica was affected. On February 29th, the first death in the United States occurred in the state of Washington. By March 7th, worldwide infection was over 10,000 people with over 3,400 deaths. On March 8th, Italy went into a countrywide lockdown. And on March 11th, the WHO declared it a global pandemic. And on March 13th, the U.S. declared a national emergency and the term social distancing began to be widely used. So, pretty nasty stuff. The infection rate is well over a million by the time of this recording, and it will probably go up much, much higher than that. But that doesn't stop conspiracy theories. Almost immediately, we started to see conspiracy theories about the virus pop up. The first main conspiracy theory category is, it's a bioweapon. The first subcategory of this is, it's the Chinese. So on January 24th, this is one day after Wuhan goes into quarantine, the Washington Times published an article claiming that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, WIV, had accidentally released a bioweapon that they were working on. Uh, The Washington Post later refuted that article. Now on January 29th, a blog called Zero Hedge repeated this claim and then doxed the supposed scientist responsible. Doxing is when you make publicly available people's personal information so that uh, other people can hassle them. Uh, Zero Hedge had their Twitter account suspended as a result of encouraging people to visit the scientist who quote-unquote find out what really happened. On January 29th, writer Don Evan for BuzzFeed wrote an article about the similarities between the WIV logo, that's the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and the logo of the Umbrella Corporation. The Umbrella Corporation is a fictional company in the Resident Evil games that created the zombie apocalypse. The city in the game where the outbreak starts is called Raccoon City, and some people then started spreading the rumor that raccoon is an anagram for the word corona. It isn't. Raccoon has two C's. Yes, there are some dictionaries that say there's a legit spelling with one C, but in the game, raccoon is spelled with two C's. Apparently, BuzzFeed took their cue from an image that was circulating on social media from January 27th on a Facebook page for a company called Mort House Films, which is a husband and wife horror acting team. Unfortunately, BuzzFeed was... We don't really know why they published what they published because the logo that they cited as being from the WIV was not, in fact, that logo. is the logo from the Shanghai Ruyang Baohusan Biotech Limited Company, which is located 500 miles away in Shanghai. So it's a completely different company. Was the article a joke? Maybe. Was it clickbait? Probably. On February 6th, rumors start to circulate on social media by the lead researcher at WIV, uh, Xi Zhengli, 
because she had done work on bat-borne viruses. She tells the South China Media Post the virus has nothing to do with her lab. When asked if she's researching bat links to the new virus, she says she has other more important things to do. The next day, February 7th, a Beijing-based media group called Kaishan quotes her as saying that theories about the origin of the virus are, quote, tinfoil hat, and that the new 2019 virus is a punishment by nature against humans for living in an uncivilized way. Now, the U.S. starts to get into it. Republican Senator for Arkansas and the United States, Tom Colton, and his international law professor, pal Francis Boyle, suggest that it's a Chinese bioweapon, citing literally nothing, just floating the idea. Uh, that happens on February 8th and February 9th. On February 14th, the world top coronavirus researcher, Trevor Bedford, says there's no evidence of bioengineering. The virus seems to have come totally through natural evolution, so there's no bioengineering obvious, and apparently he has to say this because there are already rumors floating out there that it is. He thinks it was transmitted from a bat to some other kind of animal somewhere between 20 and 70 years ago, and then one of those intermediary animals infected a human in Wuhan sometime either late November or early December, and then that person started to spread it to others. On February 24th, Rush Limbaugh says it was, quote, probably, unquote, a communist Chinese experiment designed to topple Donald Trump. On the 27th, Twitter does a little investigating and finds that there are lots of bots out there spreading the idea that it's a bioweapon and or a democratic attempt to hurt Donald Trump. On March 3rd, now we're over in the UK, conservative MP Tobias Elwood questions out loud in the House of Commons what exactly the Chinese Army's Wuhan Institute for Biological Products does and calls for greater transparency over the origins of the coronavirus. So he's not making an overt accusation. He's just asking questions. On March 3rd, a little bit after the outbreak in Iran starts, the head of the Iranian Civil Defense Organization, a man named Brigadier General Golam Reza Jalali, says it's probably an attack on Iran from China because of economic reasons. On March 12th, American super right-wing talk show host Josh Bernstein claims it's, quote, a medical deep state colluding with China to create and release a virus to get rid of Trump, and he suggests that a fitting punishment for those responsible for this is that they be locked in a room with coronavirus patients. The following day, on the 13th of March, the president of Liberty University, Jerry Falwell Jr., appears on Fox News, and he says it's North Korea and China conspiring together to create it and that the Democrats are taking advantage of people's overreactions and fear in order to hurt Trump's chances in November. Now, Russian news agency Sputnik has branches all over the world, and the Latvian branch claims that the virus was created in a lab in Latvia. The article is titled, Coronavirus Invented in Latvia? Why Not? And the article invites people to think about who might benefit from this. They then suggest it was created by the Chinese government to stop the protests in Hong Kong and the Yellow Vest movement, as well as punish Europe for not letting in refugees coming in through Turkey. They also suggest it could be helping Greta Thunberg push through her environmental agenda. Tourist hotspots like Prague, Venice, and Barcelona are also taking advantage of it to reduce damage and disruption caused by over-tourism. And also feminists on corporate boards are behind it because the virus is, quote, more dangerous to men than women, unquote. They also, this is a great article, they also float the idea that the Italians are part of it hoping to reduce the number of elderly people in the country who are currently drawing pensions. So that's kind of an everybody's behind it sort of a thing. Now, of course, 
Maybe it's China or maybe it's an American bioweapon. Should we go back in time again? These are the theories and accusations coming out of Russia. So on January 27th, Vladimir Zhirinovsky, who's an ultra-nationalist, he goes on Moscow radio and says the virus is an experiment conducted by the Pentagon and pharmaceutical companies. The same day, another Russian politician, Igor Nikulin, he goes on TV and radio, and he says the whole thing looks like sabotage to him, noting that the CIA and Pentagon chose Wuhan as the release site because it's a major transportation hub in that region, and that U.S.-based labs have been working for a very long time to create an ethnically specific virus that only targets certain peoples. This idea of it being ethnically specific will then float around for a while. Now, in Russia, many media channels that seem to be loyal to the Kremlin are being Surprisingly restrained. However, apparently the Russian Defense Ministry-funded news outlet Zvezda didn't get the memo because they published an article on January 29th titled Coronavirus, American Biological Warfare Against Russia and China. On February 4th, Sputnik, the Russian news agency, this time the Spain branch, says the U.S. is deliberately spreading panic to damage China. Two days later, they double down and say the world media is spreading panic in order to detract from uh, Brexit and other things like this. It's a distraction. So on February 22nd, U.S. officials say that Russia is behind a disinformation campaign to deliberately promote false theories on social media that say that the CIA created the virus as part of an economic war with China. Russia, of course, denies this. Then five days later, Sputnik in Arabic says it's a bioattack against countries that compete with the United States ordered by Donald Trump. And as we also said earlier, on February 27th, Twitter finds out there are tons and tons of bots out there spreading bioweapon and or attempt to hurt Donald Trump rumors. On March 2nd, the Arabic version of Sputnik now says the virus is not a big deal for most of the world because it is bioengineered to target only East Asians. The next day, Sputnik in Arabic says it's an American attack against first China, then Iran, and then the rest of the world. Ten days later, Sputnik Spain pops up again, saying that the virus is the result of cooperative action between China, the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. I'm glad the Canadians got mentioned. The next day, on March 14th, Sputnik in Armenia says it's a lab-created hybrid made of bat and snake coronaviruses mixed with a component of HIV, and that the United States should allow international observers to look into their labs. That's the Americans did it stuff coming out of Russia. Iran also pushes this. On February 22nd, Radio Farda, which is the Iranian branch of Radio Free Europe, reported that cleric Saeed Mohammed Saidi accused Trump of targeting the city of Qom with the coronavirus, quote, to damage its culture and honor, and that this was part of his promise to damage Iranian cultural sites. TV star Ali Akbar Raifpour on March 1st says the virus is part of a hybrid warfare program that's a joint U.S.-China cooperation, so apparently they're friends in his mind. Four days later on March 5th, the head of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, a man named Hossein Salami, says the virus out- outbreak may be, quote-unquote, a bioattack by the U.S. Between the 5th and the 16th of March, many other Iranian politicians also repeat this claim, even though on March 14th, the deputy health minister says that's just not so. On March 9th, the former president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, sends a letter to the UN in which he says that it is, quote, clear the virus is lab-created and it's a new weapon for maintaining political and economic dominance. Now, back in China, they're feeling a little bit left out, 
and they also start promoting the idea that perhaps it's an American bioweapon. So back in January on the 26th, the Chinese military news site writes an article about how the virus was skillfully made by the Americans to target Chinese people. About a week later, they end up taking down that article. On February 8th, The Economist reported that there were lots of conspiracy theories circulating all over China about it being a CIA creation to prevent China from becoming a superpower. This is predictable. In the first three weeks of February, there are numerous articles written that are basically SARS articles from back during the SARS outbreak that have been slightly rewritten to be relevant to this new virus, claiming it's a biotech from the U.S. So when SARS broke out, it was a biotech from the U.S. Now this comes out, it's a biotech from the U.S. and they use the same articles. The BGI Group, uh, which is the genome sequencing company in Shenzhen, supposedly, according to these articles, sold genetic data on Chinese people to the United States so that they could engineer a race-specific virus. So clearly, the capitalists in China are colluding with the capitalists in America. There are also lots of articles pointing the finger at American military athletes. So October 18th, 27th, in the Wuhan area, there was the 2019 Military World Games. These articles in China claim that the American military athletes who participated were not, in fact, real athletes, but were agents who released the virus into the area at the time. The proof is that, first off, the Americans really didn't do very well. They came in 35th out of 110 countries. They got no golds, only three silvers and five bronzes. And that, whenever they were spoken to, they seemed, quote, distractive. So, obviously, they had been bio-operatives. It's also noted that the Americans were housed near the Hunan Seafood Wholesale Market, which is where the first cluster of cases was recorded. On March 13th, a spokesperson for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said that he believed that this theory was true. And of course, there are lots and lots and lots of other theories out there. Many writers in the Arabic world are promoting variations on the Americans did it, theories throwing in bits about swine flu and bits about SARS, all of which are supposedly American bioagents, and all of this is designed to weaken China and or the Arab world. On February 4th, the Philippine Senate President Tito Soto, during a Senate hearing about the new virus, says that he received, this is what he says, quote, received a report concerning this particular disease, and then in the Senate, he played a conspiracy video from the Atlantis Report YouTube channel saying it's all part of a biowarfare plot by the United States. So that's the report that he got, is something he saw on YouTube. In Venezuela... Elvis Mendez, who's a member of the Constituent National Assembly, they're the people who've been charged since 2017 with writing a new constitution. He says the coronavirus was created way back in 1989 or 1990, quote, inoculated by the gringos, unquote, and has been used as a weapon against China and Latin America so these countries will become weakened so that the, quote, American system can be, quote, installed. And of course, it should be no surprise that there is a strain of coronavirus rumors out there accusing the Jews. The Jews. The Jews. The Jews. The Jews. All through January through March, Arab media outlets accused the U.S. and Israel of working together to create this virus, avian flu, and SARS. On March 8th, Press TV in Iran says, quote, Zionist elements developed a deadlier strain of coronavirus against Iran. On March 11th, Forward, which is an American Jewish website, reports that there are numerous social media posts about the, quote, happy merchant trope. 
So the happy merchant trope is that there's a Jew who's happy because disaster is coming and they know about it ahead of time and they will profit from it. Sounds ridiculous. But fundamentalist Christian outlet True News, this T-R-U News, has already called the impeachment attempts against Trump a Jew coup. And then they doubled down with many tweets on Twitter about Jews infecting people at the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee conference. The Jews supposedly, according to their theory, will wait for the markets to collapse and then profit from insider trading. One day earlier, a columnist for the Islamic fundamentalist daily newspaper, Yeni Akit, expressed skepticism of Israeli attempts to create a vaccine. The Israelis said they were creating a vaccine. They said it was part of a, quote, fascist plan to sterilize large populations. He also says that the virus has a long shelf life on money, on actual physical money, and that, quote, that's good for Bitcoin. Also on March 11th, a guest on Turkish TV says Jews and Zionists have created the coronavirus as a bioweapon. They also created avian flu, and they also created Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever so they can neuter the world's population and seize control of various countries. And on March 13th, a YouTube video goes up from a Turkish doctor who claims that 60% of Turkey has already been infected, but the government will not provide test kits so that they can hide that number. There's also a theory out there that it's maybe just part of a population control plan. On January 21st, in addition to all the Jewish conspiracies focusing on testicles and all the other weird stuff, YouTuber Jordan Sather, who is a famous QAnon supporter and anti-vaxxer, warns his viewers that the whole thing is a population control scheme cooked up by the Peerbright Institute, which is a British infectious disease research institute in Surrey in England. He says it's Peerbright the WHO, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation all working together. Some of his supporters then go on to suggest strangely that specifically Hillary and Chelsea Clinton will profit from the vaccines that are then created to save the chosen few. Uh, another theory that floats around out there is that it's espionage, espionage, that it was actually created in a Canadian research lab and then stolen by Chinese students and then accidentally got out. This seems to come from some earlier story way back in 2019 in July. There was a story about Chinese researchers who had their security access revoked to the Level 4 National Microbiology Lab in Winnipeg for a, quote, policy breach. So the theory goes on to say that the coronavirus was transported from the NML to a lab in Beijing on March 31st, 2019. The Public Health Agency of Canada, who has to investigate this because people are clamoring for it, says that yes, a pathogen was transported on that date according to all the proper guidelines, but it was not coronavirus, so shut up already. Other nefarious origin theories are that it's not a virus at all, but it is in fact an effect of the 5G, 5G network yeah. that's being installed everywhere. Uh, lots of people are pushing this, including singer Carrie Hilson. Another theory says it's from, from space, space, whether that's actually aliens or just an accident, maybe it hitched a ride on a meteor or something. And of course, the whole, it's all fake, it isn't true at all, it's just an attempt to get people to take vaccines, and everybody knows that pharma companies are creating vaccines which cause autism and other problems, but they don't care because it's just about money. Theories as to 
Less nefarious origins include that it comes from eating bats or eating bat soup, that it comes from all Chinese food or all Chinese products or just all Chinese people, that it comes from the Mexican beer, which is named Corona, and there are even some vegetarians out there claiming that vegetarians are unaffected because it actually comes from eating meat. Now, as I said, human coronaviruses were discovered in the 1960s. There's a theory out there that this is old news. This is just hype for whatever reason. Uh, since the 1960s, Lysol cans, cans of the disinfectant Lysol, have said on the label it is effective against, quote, human coronavirus. The owner of Lysol, a man named Reckett Benkisser, reminds people that coronavirus is actually a term for a whole family of viruses, many of which have been known about for decades, but this new SARS-CoV-2, now named COVID-19, is a new mutation and there's no proof at all that Lysol is effective against it. There are many, many conspiracy theories about the WHO colluding with various pharma companies or various pharma companies going rogue and so on, that they actually already have a vaccine and they're just waiting for things to get really bad before they can sell it so they can jack the price up. The most extreme version of this, and I actually met somebody who believes this, is in fact that all diseases for the past 40 years or so and all diseases in the future and their vaccines have already all been lab created and that the diseases are occasionally released into the general population to cause death and panic, and then the vaccine is introduced, and this is entirely for big, big profits. So that's just a sample platter of some of the conspiracy theories out there as to the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Now, of course, when word starts to spread that this thing is going all over the place, social media, again, it's kind of perfect for this because social media is essentially the uh, global equivalent of the backyard fence. Ideas for preventatives and cures start to spread all over the place, none of which are true. Here's just a few of them. So first off, methanol kills it. So drink up. Now, methanol is industrial strength stuff, right? We're talking bootleg hooch. We're not talking about a couple of beer. Hundreds of Iranians have died following this advice. Remember, alcohol is illegal there, so they brew some up in their uncle's garage, drink it, and then die. In Britain, there was a tabloid story about whiskey and honey as a cure, and 300 people died from drinking too much whiskey and honey. They died of alcohol poisoning. Another theory floating around there is that cocaine sterilizes your nostrils, killing the virus, if only. Boiling ginger and eating it and then drinking the water on an empty stomach is a preventative or a cure. Lemon with water will kill it, also cancer. Hair dryers kill it, which has uh, led to some very funny images and videos of people sticking hair dryers in their noses. Saunas kill it. That's got to come from Finland, right? A combination of UVC light, chlorine, and temperatures over 56 degrees Celsius will kill it. Coconut oil is a cure or preventative. HIV drugs work against it. Then there's the rumor that hand sanitizer is antibacterial, not antiviral, and so therefore it's useless. However, alcohol-based ones are useful. They do break down the coatings around the virus, and so just check the label on your hand sanitizers. There's also an idea out there that if you can hold your breath for 10 seconds, then you don't have it. Some of the even wackier things out there is there's an idea coming out of India that if you drink turmeric water and milk with pepper in it and then wash exclusively with life buoy soap, you cannot get infected. MP Ramash Bidhuri in uh, India says that using the greeting Namaste, which is a traditional greeting from Hindu people, prevents the disease. But if you use Arabic ones like Adab or Assalamu Alaikum, it does not because the latter ones direct air into your mouth. 
There are also some people out there claiming that because the cow is divine, if you drink cow milk mixed with cow urine and spread cow dung on your body, you will be cured. There's also a rumor floating around India that if a lot of people get together and clap at the same time, the vibrations kill the virus. In Brazil, there are claims that vinegar is more effective than hand sanitizer. Other Brazilian cures include using chloroform, avocado and mint tea, fennel tea, and yes, cocaine. In Venezuela, there's another member of the Venezuelan Constituent Assembly, a woman named Maria Alejandra Diaz, who says that a mixture of lemongrass, elderberry, ginger, black pepper, lemon, and honey is a cure. Now, all of these are commonly associated in Venezuela with curing the common cold. She also said that she thinks that the virus is a bioterrorism weapon. In Estonia, the Ministry of the Interior, Mart Helma, said it's just a new name for the common cold, and he suggests that you should wear warm socks, use mustard patches, and spread goose fat on your chest. In South Korea, Jun Kwang Hoon, who's known as a, quote, conservative populist, said it is impossible to get infected if you're outdoors. Uh, rather famously now, members of the River of Grace Community Church allowed hot salt water to be sprayed into your mouths, thinking that it was a preventative, and 46 people got infected as a result of that. In Greece, things have taken a religious turn. They all believe that if you pray and are properly religious enough, that you will be spared. Rumors there include bread soaked in wine at a church is a preventative, and that Holy Communion cannot spread the disease because it is the body of Christ. The Bishop of Piria Seraphim says that anyone who goes to Mass and then gets sick doesn't really have true faith. The managers for Norwegian Cruise Line, much to their shame, claim that the virus can only survive in cold temperatures and so therefore booking Caribbean cruises through their company is a good idea. In Nigeria, there are too many crackpot ideas to count. And of course, the Americans, always happy to make a buck, have so many crackpot cures out there that it's, it's almost impossible to keep track of all of them. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Alex Jones and Jim Baker and Kenneth Copeland and D-level actor Jordan Sather. There's this idea that masks don't prevent you from getting it, and to a little bit of a certain extent that's true, but they can prevent you from spreading it to others, which is sort of the point. If you act as if you already have it, and you don't want to spread it to others, then things might get better. Because here's the thing, you might actually have it. You're asymptomatic for two weeks. You don't feel sick, but you have it and you're spreading it. So every single time you go out, you could come into contact with someone who has it. Feel free to think about this selfishly. If it spreads more, more people will get it, which meaning whatever lockdown measures you're under right now that you don't like will remain in place for longer, meaning more damage to the economy, your life, your mental health, and so on. And the more it spreads, the more people have it, so the better chance you have of coming into contact with somebody who has it when you do go out. So actually, in that way, it does increase the chances that you'll get it, since it lives on plastic, it lives on paper, it lives on cloth, and it lives on other things that you touch. I mean, maybe some good things are going to come out of all this quarantining, maybe not, but there have been a lot of fake reports that there are all these great benefits to the natural world. Uh, there was a story of uh, elephants 
suddenly free from human shackles getting drunk on corn wine in China, that there are dolphins and swans swimming together in the canals of Venice, and there are lots and lots of these stories floating around out there in social media. You need to check your sources because a lot of these are fake. For the record, the elephants in the Yunnan village, that's a common sight. The Venice pictures were actually photoshopped. The swan images were actually taken in Burano, and the dolphin pictures were taken from Sardinia, and they were mixed together. That's not to say that a bunch of people not driving and not going to work and shutting down factories isn't doing some good for the environment. It certainly is. But just be very skeptical of those stories and check your sources before you go believing them and spreading them. So lots of conspiracies out there, many of them involving some kind of shadowy government or business or cooperative organizations. Nefarious motives are attributed to various groups that we already don't like. Misinformation is not necessarily spread maliciously or on purpose in order to deceive people. It's just bad information that people are spreading. Disinformation is done by, quote, bad actors who have another agenda and are trying to manipulate events or opinions. They also maybe want to stir up old grudges and prejudices and so on. Misinformation is just stuff out there that just isn't true, like drinking a lot of alcohol and taking a lot of cocaine, like it's 1986 and you work on Wall Street, is somehow going to inoculate you against this virus. Obviously, the very first thing to do is don't Photoshop fake pictures and spread them. I don't know who you are out there doing this, like the dolphins and the swans and the canals of Venice thing. I don't know what you're hoping to achieve by doing this, but just stop it. But for most of us, we're not doing that. We see something on social media. We react very quickly. We usually don't read the article. We see a picture. We see a headline. We share it and so on. Why do people share it so readily? One, because they're looking for some kind of control. People are freaked out. I'm freaked out. We're all a little bit freaked out about this, of course. I'm reasonably healthy, despite the fact that I don't exercise and I still can't seem to quit smoking. But if I get it, I am almost certain that I'm just going to have a really, really, really bad couple of weeks. However, my neighbor is 95 years old, and I quite like her. And I would hate to get it by being careless and thoughtless, get it on my hand, put my hand on the railing or the banister, the Meals on Wheels people who come and bring her her food, touch that banister, bring it into her apartment, now she gets it, and now she dies. That wouldn't be awesome. So what can we do? As always with social media, the first and foremost thing is check your sources. Find out where the information comes from. Be extra vigilant when it comes to COVID-19 stuff. Verify anything before you go spreading it. There's an article on CNN that actually has some very good advice, which I'm going to summarize here. First off, when you encounter a false claim or an idea, the thing you have to know is that bluntly stating facts to counter it really doesn't always work. Sometimes it does work, but sometimes it doesn't. This is often the case on social media because it's kind of a, an abbreviated format. So people just write, no, that's not true, or you're a liar, or something like that. However, using an empathetic tone has been found to be just as effective as simply bluntly stating facts, and sometimes even more effective. Nobody likes to feel like they're being talked down to or like they're being attacked. So having some kind of an empathetic tone might actually do good instead of putting the person on the defensive and making them dig in their heels. If you're going to debunk something, use good authoritative sources. 
If you really want to affect behavior, try communicating one-on-one instead of putting it out there for all to see. This will, again, make people less defensive. So if your Aunt Harriet keeps posting a bunch of things out there on Facebook about how it's not true, there is no virus, it's all a lie, there's no reason for you to take her to task right there in the comments. Send her a message. Give her a call. She's probably just freaked out. There's this lovely idea, pre-bunk instead of debunk. So pre-bunking means find a reliable piece of information from a good source and share that maybe with a kind of a comment like, what do you think? So you can counter a false post on social media with one that you know is accurate. Do that instead of getting into arguments in the comments section. Whenever anybody puts up something that you know for a fact is false, counter it with an article or a piece of information that you know is true from a reliable source. And if possible, include the source. I mean, should we just ignore bad information? No, you shouldn't. In fact, I might say it's your responsibility to correct it. The longer this goes on, the longer people go out without masks, the longer that people go out and have parties. I mean, these coronavirus parties I hear about in the United States, honestly, if that's a real thing, just knock it off, folks. When you see this kind of stuff floating around out there, it is your responsibility to correct it in some way that will be effective because we're kind of all in this together. Here's the thing, though. Do it calmly. Do it with information, not with emotions. If the person you're communicating with just keeps switching arguments, which very often what will happen, it will very quickly turn into an ad hominem attack where they attack you as a person or say you don't have compassion or you should, quote, get a life. That's a classic one. Or if you're dealing with somebody who thinks, well, your source is the WHO and they're false because they're a, whatever, giant, huge conspiracy, Illuminati, government organization, then try a different source or try a different argument or a different tactic. However, whether it's misinformation or disinformation, bad information is bad information, whether it's intentional or unintentional, even if it comes from a respected person. So you need to also educate yourself so that you can learn to educate others. Learn to separate signal from noise, especially at a time of crisis like this. Now, you might argue uh, something is true or it's not true. There is no in-between state. Objectively, perhaps that's so. But subjectively, it is not so. I don't know for an absolute fact that this is not a bioengineered virus. I suspect very strongly that it is not because authoritative sources have told me that it is not. And I believe those sources to be, one, good at what they do, and two, to not have an agenda. So those are the sources I believe. Now, you could make the argument, someone who believes, for example, that this is a result of the 5G network and is not an actual virus, that person is equally entitled to that viewpoint because me, living in my apartment, they, living in their house, don't have enough actual information to be able to say one thing is true and one thing is not. As a species, we evolved in a dangerous environment. And so when we get into a state of tension, we have a tendency to react quickly and to try and find shelter as quickly as humanly possible. And this applies to the mental and emotional realms as well. There's this virus out there. Is it coming for me? I don't know. So I might latch on to the very first thing that makes any kind of sense to me, especially if it fits into a larger worldview that I already have. So again, the 5G, if I have this idea that the 5G networks are somehow dangerous to people, even though 3G wasn't and 4G wasn't, and then I come across a Facebook post that says, this isn't actually a virus, it's 5G. 
I simply slot that into my worldview. And now I'm not in a state of tension so much because I have some control and some, quote, knowledge, unquote, about what's really going on. So how do we combat this? How do you deal with that person if that's a, quote, unquote, perfectly valid viewpoint? Because it isn't a valid viewpoint, because you have to make the connections. And if they're not making the connections on their own, and they're not because they're looking for a place to get out of this state of tension, they're looking for a place of safety and solace. And because I'm no longer in a state of tension and I feel safe, I, of course, am going to dig in when somebody challenges me and fight back viciously if necessary, because I found a place of safety and now you are trying to drag me back out into a dangerous place, a place where I don't know what's happening and I don't know what's going on. But you have a larger perspective. You can see the forest. You're not stuck down in the trees. So you can make the connections. If it's not really a virus, then who are all these viral experts who are claiming that it is? We're talking about thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people being involved in this. Also, we can have faster internet. That doesn't make any sense. So we can refute certainly the more ridiculous and patently false conspiracy theories out there. Will we always be successful? No. Some people are going to dig in and there's nothing you can really do about it. But you should make the effort nonetheless. Because the more people that actually understand the situation, the more people will follow the guidelines and stop spreading the virus, which means everything can go back to normal or whatever normal looks like after this faster. It's no mistake that the word meme, which is now used for cute little internet images or GIFs, is actually a term from the 1980s, and it was intended to mean an informational virus in that ideas, jokes, rumors, prejudices spread through a population in exactly the same way that a virus spreads through a population. So as we have an actual virus spreading literally around the world, we have ideas, memes, also spreading at an alarming rate. And just like it is our responsibility to do everything we can to not infect other people with the COVID-19 virus, we also have to kind of do our part to prevent the memes, the informational viruses that are destructive, or at least not helpful, from spreading. Some politicians have compared this to a war, and like in a war, we all need to come together help each other out, get through it, and then we can go back to hating each other and fighting about stupid things. Every death affects dozens and dozens and dozens of people. So preventing even one unnecessary death is a good thing to do. Because when we feel threatened, we of course take things personally. And this COVID-19 situation feels very personal, very much about me. But it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about us. It's about all of us. We certainly cannot control this virus, not right now. People are working on a vaccine, and when they do, that will help. In the meantime, as one U.S. official recently said, there's no magic bullet except behaviors. All we can do is behave accordingly. In the physical world, that means not going out unless you absolutely have to, staying six feet or more apart from other people, and acting as if you have the virus and you don't want to spread it to them instead of being worried that other people are going to give it to you. Because the fact is, as I said, you might, you just don't know. When it comes to the non-physical realm, the realm of social media and so on, pre-bunk, argue your points, make sure you have good sources, 
and help everybody get through this. This is an unprecedented time that we are in. No one expected it. Nobody wanted it. It is not a bioweapon. It is not a punishment from God. It is not aliens attempting to take us over. It's just a really bad virus. And by the way, these sorts of things have been predicted for a long time. And this very well might not be the last time that this happens. We might be in five years under similar circumstances with an even worse disease or virus. Looking back fondly at the times of COVID-19, thinking, gosh, weren't those the days? I hope that's not true, but it might be. So that's our roundup of some of the ideas floating around out there about COVID-19. All we can do is stay sane and stay safe and get through it. Because, yes, I miss going to the beer garden. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.